0: and it went something like this the test the test i dread the test i i um toss and turn i get no rest and if i die before i wake that's one less test i'll have to take that was (laughs) (laughs) that was something that i wrote in second or third grade Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm a college student at Southern Methodist University. And I'm 22 years old. And I'm at a point now where I'm starting to become more reflective. I'm starting to think about, you know, how there's this thing that people call midlife crisis. And there's and there's this thing that people call a quarter life crisis. I had a friend who's 25. And he actually said that he had like a legitimate quarter quarter life crisis where he where he felt um, very shocked by what he perceived as a lack of things that he had wanted to do, that he hadn't done or, or as an abundance rather of things that he had wanted to do, that he hadn't done yet. Mm-hmm. So he feels like there's all these things that he has that he has to do so he that gets- he's been putting off.
1: So consider that the a crisis, but you're not even there yet. So what crisis are you talking? About? Well, I think
0: that I think that his that him saying that triggered an early, an early reflect, reflection on my part. It wasn't I I wouldn't call it a crisis, but it was definitely a moment where I had to sit down. You need to take an honest self-inventory of where you're at and the the hardest part of that is is looking at your own insecurities and your own weaknesses because we live in a society where we always put on masks and we present a persona to the world that we think that other people will like when they see it because we want to be at least that's how i did it and how i still continue to do it a lot of the time is that I want to be accepted and sometimes that causes me to rationalize or overlook some of my weaker points so that I can focus on the strong points because I I think that's what people will like um so how I came to that place was first I had to realize that that whether or not people like me isn't really up to me. Obviously, if I go around and I'm a jerk to everyone, no one's going to like me. But as far as trying to do things that will push other people to like me, I I don't believe that that's as effective as I once thought it was. I think that people will come to their conclusions based on what they see and sometimes they only see a very small part of you and they'll make a conclusion based on that and then they'll see you later and then they'll see a more they'll see you more completely and they'll see and sometimes you'll just be having a bad day mm-hmm. and they'll see that aspect of you and my focus has not been so much on hiding my weaknesses because I I realize that when people see that you're not afraid to be vulnerable, then they are much more open. Because I don't know what it is—not all the time, but but a lot of the time, people will pick up on that and they'll say, "Well, maybe I have some things that I can that I can work on too." And I think that that's a very helpful thing. So my first step was getting over that social anxiety of, "Oh, if I if I'm if I'm." Um, if i'm not always presenting this carefully controlled image that no one will like me
1: out of the abyss into my skin everyone I recommend should invest the time to be with and honestly hear our guest Kyle who is studying to become a teacher especially if you're a parent or if you're a parent of a rebel or suspect you have a rebel a teen seemingly too tough to handle if you are a teen or a young adult if you're an educator or a counselor if you're smart Or if you're in a deep hole, a sinkhole, you stepped on the crack and, oops, now you're in the deep dark. If you know you are in an abyss, or you feel that life requires you to put up a brave front that's taking way too much out of you, I recommend, highly recommend, you clear away some space and time. To experience how Kyle slipped into his abyss and how he is building a ladder to climb out. We have heard many experts, but who is more expert than he or she who has been there and struggles there and is seeking their way out of the abyss and into their own skin? Perhaps also you realize the utter futility of force-fixing complex problems by addressing only that bit that jots out, or by addressing that one bit we know how to fix while ignoring the entire buried mass, or by applying what fixed Peter to fix Paul. Perhaps you will attest that remedying some of our complex issues, that reclaiming our personal high ground, that place where we are at our best, requires our smarts, our strength, our endurance, and the willingness to boldly unravel the whole mess then deal. As you'll see, This falling into the abyss and rising out of an abyss are multi-layered deals. My name is Neville D'Angelo. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: Hi, my name is Kyle. I am a college student at Southern Methodist University. I'm 22 years old. I have about a year left. I am studying to become a teacher, a high school teacher right now. And I've taken a few semesters off so that I can figure out what I want to do because at first I was a business major. And it took some self-inquiry to discover that I wanted to serve as a teacher,
1: and what what made you realize that business was not going to be your deal, and what turned you on to becoming a teacher?
0: It had a lot to do with my parents, and it's actually coming full circle now, and what I mean is is that originally I was not i I was going into business and I had some genuine interest in business but a lot of it was definitely because my dad is in business and there's, for every young man, a struggle between who has a father. A lot of young men don't have fathers, but I did. And the and for me, the struggle was, do I want to be like my dad or do I want to be my own man or, or how do I negotiate that, I guess. So for a period of time... I felt like I was less enthusiastic about the business than the business classwork that my dad was. Mm-hmm. But I felt pressured to stay in it because he was he just seemed so, you know, so pleased with it mm-hmm. that I didn't want to change that. And I realized that teaching was important to me and that I wanted to serve as a teacher in some aspect So I decided to take on a teaching minor. So I'm still getting my degree in business. Mm -hmm. And I'm also getting a minor in education so that I'll be able to teach. And coming full circle, what I meant is that originally I got into it because I was encouraged by my parents And then I thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. And then I realized that my reaction to that was because I was reacting against my parents. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a reflection of how I felt. It was a reflection. It was a reaction towards my perceived being influenced by them. And So so in a struggle to be my own person, to be an individual, Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want to do business. But what I realized is, is that I think that business is is a really great opportunity and it's a really great thing to be involved with if I do it in a way that's meaningful to me and that it doesn't have anything, it doesn't have to have, it doesn't have to be a statement of rebellion or a statement of I need to be my own person. It can more just be a statement of this is how I can best serve the world.
1: Well, let me ask you two questions, if you don't mind. So why were you in a state of rebellion?
0: I was in a state of rebellion because I didn't know who I was, number one. And number two, I didn't have the self-discipline to pursue what was really important to me so I didn't know who I was I didn't know what was important to me and I didn't have the time management skills and the organizational skills and the self discipline to pursue what was what was important to me partly because that what was important to me wasn't very clear at the time because I hadn't really reflected on that and partly because I was too busy making excuses about a rationalization saying, well, I'm only doing this because my parents are telling me to. Or the reason why I'm not doing well is because I feel forced in this situation. And these rationalizations, whether they're true or not, have very little to do with what I'm choosing to, with how I'm choosing to live my life best right now. So in other words, what I realized is is that is that, regar- is that while it was important how I was feeling emotionally, it was more important that I get myself together as a person. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, now, you, you, you,
0: and, and I felt like rebellion at that time when I, had, when I wasn't clear about my intentions, I felt like rebellion was the only way for me to clear the air and just create some space mm-hmm. for me to be me.
1: But now you said that you're still doing a business major with a minor in education. Right. Is that part of a compromise, or do you think business is going to play some role in in the end?
0: That is a very astute question, because uh, because that is absolutely correct. At, at first, it was part of a compromise, mm-hmm. and I was considering changing my major altogether. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I thought that I was that I was compromising too much by keeping the business major mm-hmm. but I am in an entrepreneurship class now mm-hmm. and I've always known that entrepreneurship is an important topic to me mm-hmm. and it's something that calls to me and that speaks to me and I had been so out of touch with what I was passionate about and what was important to me Mm -hmm. that I forgot about that and being back in this entrepreneurship class and being surrounded by young people with big ideas myself included has reignited that spark and has re-inspired and reinvigorated me the aspect of business that I was Or the reason why I felt uncomfortable with business at one point was because number one, I felt like I was living my father's dream instead of my own, which was not true which was not true. That was a rationalization that I was making Mm -hmm. that had nothing that had no basis in reality. The second was that I couldn't attach the significance or the purpose behind the coursework that I was doing something that I actually wanted to pursue in my life. And that entrepreneurship class helped me to realize that entrepreneurship is something that I definitely want as part of my life. Mm -hmm. And when I have that purpose, that end in mind, it's a lot easier for me to get motivated about learning the nuts and bolts of business, Mm -hmm. because I can see that they're serving a purpose.
1: I'm aware that you have a unique family relationship. Could you tell us about that and how it how it how it guided you to where you are now?
0: Sure. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. I was adopted at 2 or 3 weeks old. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have any memory of that. My memory is always of being with The family that I've been with for 22 years, Mm -hmm. not of my birth mother, Mm -hmm. or the first foster home that I was in. There is something that I've become aware of as of late, which is the impact that genetics have on our predispositions. What I mean is, is that my mom recently came across... My parents recently went... Uh, did a, They moved into a new house, and they had boxes full of all this stuff, and
1: she ran... you your adopt... The parent... The family into which you were adopted, which you uh, right. accepted totally as your
0: family. I've, right. I've never met my... Oh, right. I've never right. met my mother, uh, my birth mother. Oh, right. I've had correspondence with her through letters, and... Um, she knows who I am and she has a rough idea of where I'm at. We don't correspond that frequently, maybe once a year, but um she is interested in my life and what I'm doing, which is which means a lot to me and I and I'd love to meet her someday, but we my mom recently found those documents relating to my adoption mm-hmm. and my birth and all of this. And amongst those was a a Self-description or a questionnaire mm-hmm. Written by my birth mother mm-hmm. about her personality about how other people viewed her mm-hmm. about the Activities that she was interested in mm-hmm. and it was remarkable and I had never seen this before This is the first time in 22 years that I'd seen this mm-hmm. I've developed my own personality my own likes and dislikes mm-hmm based on my environment my family and um and in my own self-reflection and every single thing that she put on there was was something that I could say was very true for me and that everyone who knew me could say was very true for me she she appreciates nature a lot she she loves being out in nature she loves reading she loves writing and and this was something that she had written when she was about to give birth to me so she was 17 at the time and her personality she's a very forgiving person she's a very kind person and these are all traits that Describe, describe me and describe the elements that have always been core to my personality. If you, to give another example of how amazingly congruent this is, we, my, my, my mom ran across a a box of cards that my classmates had written for me when I was in third grade when I was moving. And since I was moving away, all my classmates wrote cards to me, and all of them wrote, "You're such a kind person. You're so forgiving," um, and and all of these and all of these traits. So it's apparent to me that these traits were present from a young age. That they've continued to be a core part of my personality, and that they were and that they were what my mother viewed to be a core part of her personality and where I'm going with this is is that there's a genetic predisposition to mm-hmm. certain things mm-hmm. and
1: well when when you did when did you find this when did your mom find this box and when did it get revealed to you uh
0: Mm, two weeks ago so it
1: was recent that's what i want yes 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 it was quite recent right right.
0: and and it was shocking it was shocking to realize how much of an impact genetics have because i've never met my mother i've had brief correspondence with her but that didn't that didn't influence my decisions or my activities really so where i'm going with this is that my genetic predispositions were what I was interested in, the type of person that I was, Mm -hmm. is very different from the type of people that my parents are. My parents that are my family that I live with. And... and, and But you weren't aware of
1: this... For uh, for the longest. Though. I
0: had it's interesting though because I had a suspicion. Mm-hmm. I, I had a suspicion as early as high school that a lot of the things because I just felt like my parents and I didn't see eye to eye on so many things, mm-hmm. and I did. And my parents thought that I was purposefully being rebellious at that time, but I hadn't really reached a rebellious phase yet mm-hmm. because I didn't know because I didn't have any because in order to really rebel, I think well. For me, this isn't true for everyone, but this is true for me. I needed to know what I was rebelling against and what I was rebelling for. Mm -hmm. What I was acting for in place of, you know. So, for me, it was important to realize that I needed to be open in my communication with my parents, and open about what was important to me.
1: How, how, did, how, did, how did a rebellion manifest itself within the family? Or could you tell us a little bit about your family uh, that you grew up in? Um, so that we get a sense sure of that.
0: well that's what I was getting at with the with the predisposition thing so so there are certain things that I really like that that I didn't understand how to communicate when I was younger here's a great example so I love nature I love everything that's alive I love being out amongst nature I love uh, I love interacting with wildlife and and feeding wildlife or just Climbing trees or just being around nature, interacting with nature, mm-hmm. all this thing. And as a kid, I was the same way. Mm-hmm. My dad, on the other hand, was very much into sports. Mm-hmm. So, and I played. I played right field in little league, which means that you're the worst player on the team because nobody hits the right field. <laughs> um, and and the reason why I was in right fields was because when I went to the baseball park, I didn't see it as as an as as a time to play sports i saw it as a time to sit in the grass and be around all the wonderful little plants and bugs and little flowers and daisies and stuff and i was much more interested in the nature than i was in the baseball game going on around me Mm -hmm. but my dad who's very much interested in sports naturally was was not didn't share my enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for for sitting in the outfield Picking daisies while there was a game going on so that's what I mean where there was a conflict of interest there and But when you're a kid you don't really know why you're picking daisies and not playing the game You just you just know that That one thing you're interested in and the other you're not you can't explain it or you can't really put words behind it and it's it's only as I grew older and realized what was important to me and realized that it was okay that those things were important to me because I think that for a long time I felt shameful about not being good at sports and I felt shameful that I wasn't living up to these expectations. Now, why,
1: why were you felt shameful? Did your parents make you feel the same shameful? Or was that what, what, how shame came into the picture?
0: Um, it was certainly some, never something that my parents imposed on me mm-hmm. purposefully. But when you have someone who who is as passionate about sports and competition, my dad is a winner. He loves to win, and I love to win too.
1: And did he want to see you passionate about sports? But sport?
0: but but my passion for competitiveness and for winning was not were not were not in the same place as when i was a kid as they were when he was a kid when he was a kid playing baseball and being the best baseball player that he could be as a kid and winning the game for his team those were important things for him those were things that that helped define him and helped and helped make him such a successful person because he developed a winning attitude at a very young age so for him all the good things that he had in life came from this winning attitude that he had. And I firmly believe that because I know how committed he is to what he does and I know how successful he's been and I know how much that's come from his winning attitude. So for him to see his son, who's obviously someone who he has a lot of interest in doing well, out in the outfield picking daisies instead of (laughs) engaging with the other children and trying to do his best in the game... That, would, that was very disconcerting to him and I can definitely understand why that was but it was something that that at the time I didn't have any I didn't have any ability to communicate that so for a long time he just thought that I was just I was purposefully, either purposefully blowing him off or that I was just I just didn't have the winning attitude <laughs> and what I've come to realize as I've grown up and developed my own identity is that a winning attitude is incredibly important to life, but everyone needs to develop it on their own terms and they need to develop it about things that they're interested in. So as an example of how that's come full circle, picking daisies out in the outfield instead of engaging with, with the people around me is is something that I would be concerned about as a parent if my child did as well. However, what this manifested into was a great interest in gardening and And playing my part to restore the environment and I've developed a winning attitude about that so that's become something that's very important and that motivates me to action Mm -hmm. and I think that what's really powerful about a winning attitude is that it motivates us as individuals to take positive action and to act on what's important to us to create a better world Mm -hmm. and I see being a good steward for nature and having an appreciation for nature and taking care of the world that is taking care of humanity for so long as being something that's very important and that guy and that and that is one of the main motivators that guides me in my future endeavors because I have a lot of interest in sustainability and I would like for the life that I live to leave as little of an ecological footprint as possible and my love for nature and my love for this capability that I have as a human being to have a restorative effect on local ecosystems and local wildlife is something that that really motivates me and motivates a lot of what I do.
1: So how were you able to...
0: And, and your question was originally about the rebellion. Right. And the rebellion was the process By which I went from feeling insecure about not sharing my father's winning attitude to developing my own winning attitude on my own terms. And the transition period where I was figuring that out was one where there naturally was conflict because I started asking a lot of questions. Why do I feel this way? Why am I this way? Why is my father this way? Should I feel the same way as my father? Should I feel differently from my father? And answering all these questions was was the rebellion process because I had to try out a lot of different things to see what was really true.
1: You mentioned to us that you needed to try out a a number of different things to be able to get to where you are. Talk to us about that.
0: I believe it began with a book that I read called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data and one of the primary, the primary thesis of the book is that it is every person's responsibility to find what their highest calling is in this life and to pursue that with with all of the capability that they have as a human being. And that was a book that I first read when I was 18 or 19 so this was three or four years ago and that's what started the process of my questioning what is really important to me why is there so much conflict why do I have so little interest in school why am I why do I feel so at odd with my parents at odds with my parents even though I respect them and I understand that they're very smart and intelligent people and that they're Making the recommendations that they are because they love me and because they want me to succeed. And what I realized is is that their way their worldview was developed from the things that they had done that had made them successful. Mm-hmm. And when they saw me actively refusing those same principles and those same actions doing well in school, mm-hmm. um, having a close and connected peer group. These were things that I didn't have and didn't seem interested in at all in the time. And this was very concerning to them because they attributed those as some of the main reasons for their success. And when I heard about this living with purpose thing, I I realized maybe maybe it's important for me to have a purpose in order for me to feel motivated about what I'm doing. And maybe I've been uh, using my... The conflict that I've been feeling with my parents as an excuse to not look deeper into myself. I wanted to put the blame on someone else so that I could feel better about not doing well in school and being asocial or antisocial. I wanted to justify my actions as being a result of, well, they just don't understand me. They just don't get me, which is natural. That's just, I, They call it teenage angst, I think, right? So... For me, um, that, that, that idea that I could have a purpose that was calling me and that I could feel really motivated about what I was doing, that I could achieve something that was important to me, was very appealing to me. And I wanted to discover what it was that was important to me so that I could achieve and feel good about myself as a person.
1: But it didn't go so well. Did it at the beginning? Did
0: it in the beginning, it, it, well, it was a rocky road. Yeah,
1: you want to share with us what that rocky road was like? Right,
0: right. and And I don't know if it ever went well. What I was going to say is I don't know if it ever went particularly well. Right. And that's kind of true, actually, now that I think about it. Because I was always having problems, behavior problems in school. My teachers were always calling home saying, oh, Kyle did this, Kyle did that. Kyle's such a smart boy, but he's not living up to his potential. That was one of the comments I got a lot on my report cards. And you can imagine how frustrating that is to a parent who knows that their child is smart and capable and is just not interested in schoolwork. And you're trying everything that you can in your power to get your child motivated and interested in doing well in school. And they're just not responding to anything. For me, that would drive me crazy as a parent were but, you going to ask a question? But, uh,
1: but I understand that now now, <clears throat> now as you said that would drive you crazy as a parent but at the time you were n- I'm assuming you were not thinking that this is going to drive you crazy as a parent you're thinking as that high school teenager you know something that is different from what your parents are thinking isn't
0: it it is it is and and at the time Uh, well, it's, it's hard for me to speak from that place because it was, it was a place that was in a lot of pain and in a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. and, and it's just hard for me to relate with that person. So I can understand, um,
1: well, are you willing to take us there or you'd rather not go there? Well,
0: I can, I can try. I don't know. I, (laughs) my, my concern is I don't know how successful I'm going to be, but I can try. Um, Okay, well let's well well this is interesting. This this opens an interesting avenue. Um, so let's so let's talk about this. So and, so there was some other stuff going on at this time. So I guess this was this is a very complex story. Now that I'm realizing it, because I thought about another piece of it that we haven't talked about before, and I was going to bring that into it, but I realized that it might make it even more complicated. So, um, let's just stick with where we're at. So I, uh, so I always had behavioral issues with my, with my teachers and I was, and I was never doing well. And at the time I, it was as simple as this. I just wasn't interested in what I was being asked to learn and asked to do. So I didn't do it. It's that simple. It really is. And this is funny because because you remember that box that I mentioned that right. my mom found of the old schoolwork mm-hmm. she found some things from kindergarten mm-hmm. that I written so I was 5 years old mm-hmm. and i um, on one of the first homework assignments that I ever received mm-hmm. it was to write out it, we were in kindergarten so it was writing letters of the alphabet and like basic sentences and right. stuff mm-hmm. and at the bottom of my homework I wrote I quit homework. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote it on both sides of the page. So I was sure that my teacher saw that. And, and you were five years old. And I was five years old. And when, was, and, I, and when I was in second grade, I wrote this poem. And it was called The Test. And it was called, the t- and it went something like this. The test, the test. I dread the test. I, I um, toss and turn. I get no rest. And if I die before I wake, that's one less test I'll have to take. That was <laughs> so, that was something that I wrote in second or third grade. So so it's clear that from an early age that I was just that the way that school was engaging me was not interesting to me. At the same time, I was a voracious reader. I loved reading. I read book. I would take. I had books under my covers at night, and I had a flashlight, and I would read books under the cover past bedtime. And I loved reading. I loved learning new things. And I and I did not like school at all. Um, so that was that was probably one of the main reasons why I was had these behavior problems in school and by behavior problems it was like class clown stuff like being goofy i wasn't i wasn't like being harmful to other children i was in in you know physical sense it was more just like being disruptive in class and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: so but at the time so I knew that I wasn't really interested in school and my parents got that but they but they felt like that, that was something that they could that that could be remedied mm-hmm. that my lack of interest in the school was was a correctable issue mm-hmm. um, so a- in third or fourth grade they they got the idea that maybe we needed to speak with the therapist because the behavior problems weren't getting any better mm-hmm. my grades weren't improving at all and I was still smart as ever um, you know, they could tell that when they talked to me that for for a nine year old, I was able to speak about complex topics. So they knew that I was very intelligent, and they knew that I just wasn't applying it to my schoolwork, and they wanted to figure out why that was. So we went to a therapist, and I was diagnosed with ADD, and I was given ADD medication, and it uh, and the ADD medication helped me to. Operate in this environment that was more structured when my thinking was more free associative. Mm-hmm. I was drawn towards things that interested me, and I was drawn towards things I felt were important. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't interested in anything that I felt was that I didn't have an interest in or that wasn't important to me. And the ADD medication enabled me to still do the work, anyways. Mm-hmm. Basically, so it fixed the mechanical problem of my not doing the work or not engaging with it because the ADD medication, it increases your focus to a degree that you're capable of doing a lot of things that don't interest you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and where this, so, so I was on the ADD medication for several years and my performance improved marginally. Um, but and and I was able to complete more of the assignments and more of the work than I had mm-hmm. in the past because of the ADD medication. Mm-hmm. But I always had the, well, the, my original feeling was was that this medication makes me feel weird. It makes me feel not myself. Mm. That was something that I figured out maybe a year or two after I started taking it. I didn't have the self-knowledge to speak about that in any more depth but i just knew at the time that this feels weird this doesn't feel it, do, it feels like i'm not being my that this medication makes me into someone who i'm not that was what i felt and what that developed into later as an understanding was was that this this medication is a crutch and that if i don't figure out how to develop an interest in what i'm doing and what i'm learning and and develop the discipline to do the work that I have to do, then I'm going to need to be on ADD medication for the rest of my life because we had tried going off the ADD medication a couple times, and I always fell back into bad habits of not doing work, of not engaging, etc. And what I realized through this process was that um, was that the ADD medication was a crutch.
1: Mm-hmm. And you realized this while you were in high school.
0: I realized this while I was in high school, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and. So my entire, I think it was my entire junior year, I I stopped taking the ADD medication completely Mm -hmm. because I was at an age where I felt like I could, I finally felt like I could stand up to my parents and say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to take this medication anymore because for, I'd felt that way for a long time, but I didn't, but I didn't feel like I had the personal power to say that to my parents yet. Mm -hmm. Um so so. Finally, when I reached my junior year, I felt like I could make that decision for myself, mm-hmm. and and I didn't care what the consequences were, mm-hmm. and I didn't have an idea of what was important to me or what motivated me. So naturally, it went. It was a train wreck, <laughs> and and I and I didn't do well. I did. I, I didn't like my one of my worst academic years that year, mm-hmm. um, and and that caused a lot of conflict between my parents and I because that was the first time that I'd taken autonomy Mm -hmm. and said I don't want to do this anymore and the results were disastrous Mm. so naturally that made my parents think well we can't we can't you know our Kyle is obviously not at an age and a level of maturity where he's capable of making these decisions on our own and we don't don't want to uh, oh I want to provide Hopefully both sides of the story. I don't know if this is how my parents really felt. This is how I'm assuming that they felt. Clearly, he's not capable of making these decisions at this point in his life. So we need to really encourage him to get back on this medication and to, um, and to, so that he can do better, mm-hmm. basically. And at this point in time, I was off the ADD medication, but I finally felt free, free to fail, free to not do my work, free to blow everything off. And... But... The important part was, was that I felt free for the first time. Mm-hmm. But because I was suddenly... I suddenly had this experience of freedom, mm-hmm. or what I felt like was freedom, in, in the sense that the ADD medication, I felt like it sort of put me in a cage. And it made me very focused. But it also... um I meaning be very agitated. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt free of this agitation and I was so excited about this freedom and it was so much freedom at one point that I that I didn't have and I didn't have the skills in place to develop that or to manage that or to turn that freedom into a positive work ethic for example. Mm-hmm. So as a result I was like I'm free I can do whatever I want blah blah blah. So I so I as a result I just did nothing and, and I, did nothing you must have I mean well yeah I, I played video games all day and, and I and I hung out with friends and we went to this is kind of <laughs> funny we we would go to the grocery store and we like steal beers from <laughs> oh and we'd steal beers from the grocery store and then we go to like skate parks and and we and we drink the beers during our during like lunch for <laughs> at in high school and um and uh, and that was just that was, and it was funny because that was really the first time that I'd started being really social with people too mm-hmm. um I, I I wasn't wanting to be malicious and I didn't get any kick out of stealing the stuff it was more just like it was something that I was doing with friends and it was the first time that I'd really uh engaged with friends on that level maybe mm-hmm since since I was in middle school. So in my first couple of years of high school, I was kind of quiet and I didn't have as many friends and I didn't really hang out with people that much and I was finally hanging out with people. So I so I wasn't really so much interested in uh, that wasn't a purposeful rebellion, you know, like going and taking the right. beers and drinking right. them. That was, I wasn't doing that because I wanted to like because I was wanted to re- rebel or be like, Neh. it was more of just like, I finally had friends social and this is what they were right, doing. Right, so, right. so, um, so I don't want to confuse that because, right, because right. it would be very easy for someone to interpret that as being a rebellious thing where, where in reality it was more yeah, of just like, it was just something thing. I didn't feel. But, but interestingly enough, I didn't feel bad about it either. Right. I didn't feel, I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel bad about it. I just felt like the, I'm having fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that year, uh, that junior year, I was just very much into my own thing and I wasn't in school and that was just really helpful for me because I finally felt like I wasn't, um, I finally felt like I could be my own person, but I didn't have any internal compass to guide me in a right direction mm-hmm. so i just went where wherever the wind blew me basically i didn't have you know i didn't have a strong internal compass to guide me because i didn't have a strongly developed self-identity at that point in time mm-hmm. so I, so i wasn't being intentionally rebellious at that point i was just i was just being totally influenced by my environment and what was around me because i had no self sense of self mm-hmm. I realized at some point, perhaps during my senior year or during my first year of college, that that lifestyle of reckless abandon was no more constructive than or was I was no better off than when I was on than when I felt like I was on the ADD medication and that was a crutch.
1: What made you realize that?
0: What made me realize that, you know, actually, it was probably during my first semester, my or my second semester, of my uh, freshman year of college. So, my first semester, I did pretty well, actually, um, and I think that I could attribute that to just being in a new environment and finally being away from my parents and living on my own for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think that just gave me a boost of energy that helped me. And and also my my first. Uh, my, fr- my first semester of freshman year classes were really, really easy. I went to a tough high school. So all my classes in that semester were really easy. So I didn't have to work hard to do well in them. Um, so, so I did all right that semester. The second semester, I had more challenging classes. And I had a girlfriend. and And I was playing a lot of video games. And the first semester, I had refrained from playing video games because that was something that I always had done in 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 the place of doing homework. And I knew that if I played too many video games, I wouldn't get any of my work done. So I refrained from that my freshman year, um, just because I felt like I'm I was living on my own and I really wanted to get it right. And I've, i and I've and I felt like I had made mistakes in the past, and I finally wanted to you know. Mm-hmm act in a way that was mature and good for myself to show myself that I was capable and to show my parents that I was capable. It was very easy, though, because, like I said, the classes were easy, so there weren't really any challenges. The second semester, there were challenging classes. Mm -hmm. And the way, the only way that I, the only tool that I had to deal with challenge at that time was escapism, Mm -hmm. was to escape to this world of video games. Mm -hmm. And... So so my first semester was it was really sort of a fluke. Mm-hmm. I hadn't actually really changed as a person at all. It, I just got lucky and in that everything was made to be very easy for me. so as soon as I ran up against any sort of challenge, I immediately crumpled mm-hmm. and uh, and because I had a girlfriend at this time who who I had, who I felt more emotionally connected to than any girl that I had in the past. And and I'm a very sensitive person. I feel emotions a lot more strongly than most men, I think. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, I felt very emotionally connected and very emotionally attached to this girl. And a part of it was actually... A part of it was because I was desperate, because I didn't have a strong sense of identity, and I felt like I was getting validation from her. Mm -hmm. So a lot of why I felt so emotionally connected to her was because I felt like she was validating everything that I was doing. But at that
1: particular time, you didn't think you were desperate. This is looking back that makes you think you were desperate? Or were you aware you were desperate at the time?
0: At the time uh, I was delusional. Okay. <laughs> so I so I, I think that on an so I think that on a intellectual level I probably knew that I was desperate. Right. But I chose to ignore it.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So oh.
0: And that was actually one of the reasons why I was able to get a girlfriend in the first place. <laughs> I had, I, because, you know, it doesn't matter, because I had this confidence about me that this girl that I was with found attractive, but the confidence wasn't rooted in anything. It was because I was totally delusional online lying to myself about everything. So I felt like I, so I felt like I could be totally confident because, because I felt like everything was good in my life because I was in this place where I was escaping from reality and I was so Distanced from everything that was around me, mm-hmm. that it just it gave me. But it doesn't matter where confidence comes from; people mm-hmm. still find it attractive. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but so what happened was was that I was that I suddenly had all this confidence because I was totally delusional, which allowed me to attract this girl, which I felt really good about because I hadn't had a girlfriend for a little while, so I felt like oh yeah, like. Um, um you know i'm i'm a guy that women are attracted to which i felt validated by and i felt like i was getting validation from her and i and that's why i felt so emotionally strongly about her mm-hmm. and then I was running up against these challenges in school, so I was escaping more to the video games. So as a result, I, was, I needed the emotional validation from my girlfriend, so I wanted to be with her all the time, and I needed the escapism from the video games, so I wanted to be playing video games all the time. So I was playing video games all the time, and I was with my girlfriend all the other time, and... There was, and I didn't put any effort in school. I don't, I think I maybe only submitted one or two assignments that entire semester. Mm -hmm. And I got, I think, oh, actually, no, there was one class I did submit my assignments in. So, so I had three F's, a D minus, and an A minus. Oh,
1: and the A minus was in what?
0: The A minus was in my most difficult class, actually. Actually, no, it was probably my second most difficult class because I was in honor, honors um, economics, and that was, uh, that was one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. but, um, but so how
1: did you get into honors class? Because of cause I did so well my first course semester, course. yeah, 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 because they were like, it was like, oh, this
0: kid's doing really well in these classes. He must be pretty smart. Uh-uh, you just put me in easy classes. Right. Well, well, no, I was really smart, but I just didn't have any, I didn't have any tool set at the time to deal with, right. to right. deal with right. challenges, okay. right, so, um, so, so that was the outcome of my first semester, or my second semester, rather, and then at that time, I felt like, well, I really don't want to be in school, because I had, because I didn't at the time, I think it was because I didn't have any tools for dealing with that um, for dealing with that difficulty, mm-hmm. and I felt like I needed to develop those tools in myself before I could be successful in school. And the pain. Did you think
1: that through, and that's what you came to the conclusion, or are you looking back?
0: This was well, well, actually, this was an idea that I I hadn't articulated as clearly as i just did but i but i did have a very real sense for what was going on but but it was but it was but that idea developed over a long period of time and it took a lot of trial and error to figure out what that what the practical implications of it were Mm -hmm. so i was able to get a diagnosis but the treatment came much later Mm -hmm. so i had an accurate a somewhat accurate assessment of where i was at and the problems that I was having, and I felt like I needed to be out of school, because if I continued in school, then I would just resort to these means of escapism, and as soon as I ran into any challenge, and I wanted to better equip myself to deal with the challenges, so that I could perform well, because I started to realize at this point, that, that I think I had some friends in high... Well, what it was, and... This is something that I'm only realizing now, but I think that it influenced my decisions is that I had some friends in high school that were addicted to prescription pills and that were um, addicted to this lifestyle of always partying and always looking for new highs and always drinking too much. And I just saw the, the, the route that, them, that that reckless abandon took them mm-hmm. and I saw the place that they went and I realized that I didn't want to go there. So it was really important that I had an opportunity to see the negative consequences of living that type of lifestyle. Now, of course, I wasn't my my highs were not drug induced or party induced. My highs were video game and girlfriend induced
1: mm-hmm. but but now i'm I'm guessing now that that you have failed, did you you are out of college now? Talk to us about what happened next.
0: Right. So I realized that I needed to develop these tools in order if I ever wanted to succeed in anything in life, not just school, but anything. So I left school and I was convinced that I was going to um, figure it out and get a job and just work. Um, in a job. Well, at the time, I felt like I was I was lacking a work ethic, so I needed to develop a good work ethic. So my idea was was that I was going to get a job and work a uh, regular job. Mm-hmm. And this was right around the time that the 2000. Well, it was in 2009, 2010. So so there were still like it was still pretty hard to find a job then. Mm-hmm. And as a young kid who who didn't – who was uh, taking time off from college, there weren't many places that were willing to hire me, and I didn't – and I never looked for a job before, so I didn't have any um, – context of how to get a resume together or we had done some exercises in that in school but i mean i'd never really looked for a job seriously before Mm -hmm. so i didn't have that skill set in place and i was trying to do it all on my own and i didn't want to ask for help from anyone else so
1: your parents didn't know that you were doing this or did they No, they knew
0: that i was doing that but i was just so i was just so adamant about doing everything myself because i felt like um i felt like i needed to distance myself from my parents because I felt like either – I felt like they had – that they had handled a lot of the challenges that I had younger – when I was younger for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed to confront those challenges on my own terms. But I was – so so I was really sure that I wanted to go to battle at this point in time. But I was completely unprepared. You know, I was going to battle without – any armor or any weapon or anything. So, so I didn't have any tools at all to make this happen. So, the process of rebellion was was I was distancing myself from my parents, but I didn't have any of the tools that I needed mm-hmm. to live on my own. So, it was developing that tool set and that skill set to um, to be successful and to be able to deal with conflict
1: but you but you did go and live on your own didn't you
0: I did and um, most of the time that I was living on my own I was I, my parents gave me a small amount of money each month because they didn't want me to starve mm-hmm. and I still didn't have any of the tool set in place mm-hmm. so it was another instance where I suddenly had all this freedom and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I just I as a result, I ended up falling back into bad habits and playing a lot of video games and ignoring my responsibilities and not taking the job as seriously mm-hmm. as I wanted to. And at this time, I began to feel very depressed because I recognized on a subconscious level mm-hmm. that this was supposed to be my opportunity for me to develop these skills that were going to serve me for the rest of my life, and I realized that I was going completely against that purpose by falling back into old habits. And I realized that on a subconscious level, um, and I think on a on a on a conscious level too, I realized, man, I really got to stop playing these video games so much. I really got to get my act together. Mm-hmm. But I just had so few good habits in place that i had so, and i had so little leverage mm-hmm. to work off of. That I floundered for a long time before I found something that spoke to me.
1: Climbing out of the abyss and into my skin. So, what is it that spoke to Kyle? How did he develop his tool set? What are these tools? How did Kyle use them to build a ladder to climb out of this abyss? Or did he? Those and more we will address in part two of Out of the Abyss and Into My Skin. This segment is a part of our family series and a part of youth life series. Now what about you? What did you do when you fell into your abyss? Or what would you do if you were to slip into a sinkhole? How did you climb your ladder of success? What are your tools? I encourage you to peruse The Hunk I Dreamed. It is a quick read by yours truly, a handy keep for our young men who are riding the wave to success or want to find that wave to ride to their best selves. The Hunk I Dreamed less than a cup of coffee see you next week